Leafs go two for two on the weekend, and the trade scene was wild around the NHL. The East has become a gauntlet. Was it all mean for Toronto? All that more coming up on today's edition, the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the February 27th edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's uh, Toronto Radio and uh, Leafs Lunch, that is. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Lockdown Leafs is a daily Maple Leafs centric podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. We're also up on YouTube, so check us out if you haven't already. It's Locked on Leafs on YouTube. Hit subscribe. We've got new videos coming out to you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. You can hit the little notification bell to know exactly when new episodes get dropped. Um, man, it was a crazy weekend in the NHL, Dave. We had. The Leafs go two for two, a couple of victories against Minnesota and Seattle. We'll get to that in a moment. We had a goalie goal around the NHL. And uh, did they move up the NHL trade deadline to midnight Sunday night? Like, am I missing something? Sunday was a wild one in terms of trades around the NHL. Many of the big names getting dealt and coming into the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about how that impacts and, and might affect things for Toronto the rest of this week. We'll get to that uh momentarily but let's start out with what uh, what we made of the games for Toronto this weekend a 2-1 overtime victory over the Minnesota Wild and then uh, a 5-1 win over the Seattle Kraken what uh, what'd you make of those two games Dave uh yeah kind of two very different games for the Leafs right the Friday game was kind of a I called it the snooze fest just it was what I was expecting against Minnesota they just don't allow a lot but I mean what an incredible finish by William Nylander there. And then you go to Seattle and it's like total opposite, just absolute domination uh, after allowing the first goal of the game. So it was with everything going on, it's just kind of like the hockey kind of felt a little secondary, but it was like, it's a pretty tidy weekend for the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, you you had to do it in in Tampa. They got just their butts kicked by Pittsburgh too Sunday. So it allowed Toronto now, like you wake up in the morning here and, and they're up, uh, you know, in terms of points percentage and points in general, they're up four points with only one, uh, one extra game played now. So they are in second place comfortably. So that is good to see. Um, But yeah, like you you mentioned it. uh, I think what I really gleaned from this game we just witnessed in Seattle in particular, obviously, is, you know, uh, they ended up shaking up the top six. Nylander slide down, and he gets an opportunity to roll with uh, Tavares and O'Reilly. And then Austin Matthews gets his boy Mitch Marner back in that top line. They got right back to work. I mean, they factored in on a couple of goals. Um, I, I think, what, three assists for, for Mitch Marner, two goals for Austin Matthews. I mean, what would you think of them getting reunited? Well, I mean, it worked. <laughs> that's that's the good Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I didn't mind it. I felt like, you know what? It was kind of being talked about a little bit. Like Austin Matthews hasn't looked Austin Matthews like. And look, hit 
William Neander's been no problem. Michael Bunting's been doing well. Matthews has put up points. He's, it's not like he's taking a back seat. He's just not doing what we expect Austin Matthews to do, and that is put the puck in the net. So it was nice to see that for one night you can put Mitch Marner on that line, and yeah, Austin Matthews looks like Austin Matthews. Uh, and obviously Mitch Marner continues to look pretty great. You know, coming off the five game, five uh, point performance in Buffalo, I guess three in Seattle. He just loves playing on the road now. Well, he does. I think he's got something like uh, 16 games in a row with a point on the road. Like he, he had that home record that he beat earlier this year, and now he's got a home record that he's uh, that he's or a road record that he's trying to beat now too. So he's been amazing. Like is Mitch Marner. Like, is he a better player than Austin Matthews? No. Is he having a better season than Austin Matthews? Absolutely he is. Like, Mitch Marner has been this team's best player from pillar to post this year. He's the team's MVP. And the 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 way that he's elevated his game even the last, like, few weeks here, he seems to be playing on a completely, like, a whole another level right now. Um, where We saw the brilliance in Buffalo, as you mentioned, five assists. And then even tonight, like, you look at the Lilligren goal. I was just, just a smart hockey play. Right, they go and they win a, a puck battle. Him and Bunting in behind the goal, and then he just waits for Lilligren to get in position, and then kind of puts the puck past the the stick of the goaltender, and it, it turns out to be a goal. Right, so and then the one on on the second goal by Matthews, like it's just it seems like every single night he's making a spectacular pass that's leading to goals. Yeah, no, exactly, and. Just what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing now until the end of the season is how much tinkering are we going to see? Like, I, I know for a fact that the top two lines for the Leafs are going to score, no problem. Um, it's now, what what's the carryover effect if the Leafs decide they want to make more, more changes to see if they can get other lines going? Because, like, just what I like to see from the from this game was yeah, you throw Marner up there, Matthews can get two goals against a Seattle team that's been pretty good. Like this isn't like a team that that he didn't he didn't just feast on a on a you know a bottom feeding team. This was a team that's you know in the playoff race, you know, in a playoff position right now. So that's kind of what I like to see. Um, I'm just curious to see how much more tinkering will we see from now until the end of the season. Oh, I'm sure we will. Like I, I I'm guaranteeing that we will like, I remember listening a couple of, uh, I don't know if it was Thursday, maybe last week, or maybe it was even after the Buffalo game, they had asked Sheldon Keefe, Hey, like uh, how much, how many different lineup iterations do you have in your head? And he's like a lot. And we can try and get, uh, get some of these done as, as much as possible before it's, it's go time. Like I would imagine the last like two weeks, he'll try and settle things in and get, um, get a, a an actual look at what he wants his playoff roster to look like. But we saw it, you know, he's not afraid. Okay, well, let's make this flip. and Let's see how that works with Willie working off with those two, with uh, Tavares and with Ryan O'Reilly. At some point, we still do expect to see Ryan O'Reilly in the 3C hole and Tom Tavares back into the middle. Then how do they make those lineups look? So there, there still is, you know, some things that we expect to see at some point here for uh, for Sheldon Keefe, but it's, it's, it's good to know that, you can do both because you, you had some production with uh, both those lines tonight and you've had production with them, you know, when it, it was Nylander with Tavar or Nylander with Matthews and with, uh, with Michael Bunting. So, you know, you can get 
really any which way you want it. It seems like this, like these six players that they have in their top six are just very good. And you can play who with whoever they want and they'll still be able to score and, you know, provide some offense here. Um, that Samsonov had a good weekend too. I want to get some, get some love to, to Samsonov because obviously he had to stand on his head uh, against Minnesota on, on Friday and only allowed the one goal there. And then one on the road where he hasn't really been sharp on the road. Um, he's been like a sub 900 save percentage goalie on the road this year. His home road splits are, are weird to look at, but had a great night in Seattle and he had to be right. Seattle had a couple of good looks. I think I saw they had like 18 slot shots, um, so he, he had to be on top of his game tonight and for sure he was pretty early and often too. um, just allowed the one goal to Everly. And then outside of that, it's pretty solid. Yeah. He had to make some really tough saves, uh, in against Seattle, like Minnesota. We know like it could have been a very different story if that first shot of the game actually went in where they shot it from like what center ice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's like still going to be nervous moments with Samsonov, but he's, in, the, in in these games, you're seeing him make some of these saves that are just like, okay, like he's he's in a bit of a groove here. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, that game in Seattle could have been a, a very different if he didn't make some of the saves he made. But I also thought the Leafs played much better uh, in front of him, you know, the last couple games that they did in Buffalo, which obviously, you know, still a win, but also one that didn't look too highly on Samsonov. So, it's nice to see that he kind of bounced back with back-to-back one-goal allowed performances because they're going to need him to be because we're not ex- – I mean, I know Matt Murray is expected to be activated soon, but this is still going to be Sam Slav's net until, you know, the wheels come off, which, knock on wood, hopefully does not happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I've been pleasantly surprised with, with Samson. I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised. I was optimistic that he could be this goaltender. Like, you look at his track record throughout his career. Like, you got to be a solid prospect to be taking the first round as a goaltender. There has to be belief in your game. And there clearly was that. And then things just kind of went awry. Like, he started out his career really good as a 22-year-old in Washington system, 21-22. And then things kind of started to spiral and now he's in Toronto in a much better situation. He's working with the goalie um, department now led by Curtis Sanford, and they seem to be getting some really good things out of him, right? They're, they're getting some stuff out of his game. They're helping him track pucks. I heard on the broadcast today that's been a really big, um, strong point of emphasis for Curtis Sanford, working with Samsonov, getting him to track pucks. And that was something that was really evident tonight, going from side to side, you know, out there challenging um, his uh, the, the opposition. So Sammy, for me, I, I think he certainly is proven that he could be this team's number one goaltender down the stretch and number one goalie in the playoffs. Someone who you can trust can go out there and give you a solid performance. I just want to see it happen on a more consistent base on the road. Like we know the home starts have been stellar. The road starts have been very inconsistent. Tonight was a good one, but now they're out on this road trip. We'll see what else he can do throughout these next couple of games against some solid squads. Like you got to go into the battle of Alberta. You're going into Calgary, into Edmonton, um, Vancouver. Eh, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, there's, there's going to be some tough teams, quality opponents that he's going to have to play well against in order for Toronto to get the full two points. Um, and lastly, before we uh, – before we wrap up the, this Leafs segment here, before we get to what's going on around the league with all this trade movement, 
Uh, we should note, too, Mark Giordano, new record holder, all-time shot blocking record at 2,045 blocked shots. We'll note that this stat has only been traced since the 05-06 season, which I believe is like Gio's rookie year, too, if I'm not mistaken. So if not, he may be 06-07. But I believe like he broke in the league in the mid-2000s. So I believe probably since his career started, um, he's been able to to track those, and he just passed Chris Russell on the all-time list. So, congrats to uh, to Mark Giordano, and um, you know he's been a beast for this team and sweetheart deal, buddy, sweetheart contract at that. All right, we had a number of trades go down in the NHL Sunday night. Uh, Timo Meyer is heading east. Tanner Janot is heading east. We already saw a couple of other guys beef up their teams, and it sounds like Patrick Kane is close to coming to the Big Apple as well. Uh, so what does that mean for the Maple Leafs going forward? Do they need to make another addition? We'll discuss all this and more on the other side. But first, Dave, how about a word from one of our show sponsors? Yes, and that is a product that I use every day, and it is Athletic Greens, which we have a new overlay for. If you're watching on YouTube, you get to see a nice little pretty Athletic Greens overlay. So what is Athletic Greens? Well, I actually just got my brand new shipment of Athletic Greens because it is something, as I said, that I use every day. It's one delicious scoop into a cup of water. Usually, actually, Athletic Greens, if you get the pack uh, with Athletic Greens, they give you a bottle that measures it all out for you. And you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of green supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things that I listed. I'm somebody that, you know, likes simplicity in my life. I want to have something that I can take in the morning, you know, usually before breakfast. First thing I can do, take this, and it helps get me start my day off right. And as I mentioned, yes, I actually just bought a brand new package subscription of Athletic Greens. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. It's also lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs. No nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing with the best things. Vegan uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iteration and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti with you. Man, Dave, was uh, Sunday a busy, busy day. Holy cow. We had trades right from when I woke up this morning. I look at on my phone and see a whole bunch of deals go down all the way through to about, uh, what, five minutes before we started to record. 
the Tanner Janot trade comes through. So why don't we start there since that is the freshest and probably closest to home type of trade that uh, that we saw happen today because Tanner Janot is Tampa bound. The Tampa Bay Lightning weren't sure what they were going to do. Everyone said they don't really have many picks and prospects to land a big fish. We didn't really land a big fish. They landed Tanner Janot, who, granted, did score 24 goals last year and was one of the uh, runner-ups, I believe, or was in conversation, at least, for the Calder Trophy. Um, did not get as many uh, votes as Michael Bunting did, I might add. He didn't. He did not. Just saying. Um, but we did see him go to the Tampa Bay Lightning for what uh, Frank Cervalli is now describing a jaws-on-the-floor type of return is apparently what uh, other general managers around the NHL are uh, are saying about the deal. They gave up a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and defenseman Cal Foote. Who was a first-round pick in 2017? Who was also a first-round pick? And a pretty good, like, bottom the third pair defenseman who's got some size to him. This is a massive, massive haul to get Tanner Janot, who has five goals on the year, Dave. Five goals on the year. Can you think of a trade that is more all-in than this one right here? Because, boy, is this ever a haul to give up for that guy. Yeah, I just remember when people were saying, oh, Tanner Janot is, uh, you know, he's being scratched for related reasons. And people in the Discord is like, oh, would love to see him on the Leafs. Not at that price. Not at that price. No. you Like, like that's, like, what would the equivalent be? Okay, picks aside, I mean, obviously the Leafs have a few more picks to offer than Tampa because Tampa has traded almost every single pick that they owe. I get, which I understand because they're winning cups instead of, you know, making draft picks. But, like, what would be the equivalent of a Cal Foot for the Leafs? Cal Foot for the Leafs would probably be, oh, geez. I mean, would you put him in, a, like, obviously for defensemen, but in terms of value, like Nick Robertson? Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, it's tough to say because, like, Calfoot, his role is kind of defined, but maybe that's just because of that's how he's been casted in Tampa. I so, mean, would you like Calfoot is kind of what Lilligram was a year ago? Yeah. At the start of the season, maybe. Yeah, I would say. Now, Lilligram is definitely a much better prospect, but like, think about where he was last year or at the beginning of the season before he elevated into what he's become. That might be like a good Leafs equivalent for what Cal Foot is. So like imagine giving up a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth round pick stretching across three different drafts plus a Timothy Lilligren-esque player. Yeah. Insane. Like I understand the qualities that Tanner Janot brings, and it's not going to be fun to play against Tanner Janot in the playoffs. No. I truly understand that. But – this is somebody who last year I was just looking. I was actually just about to pull up the stats. Nineteen percent shooting percentage. Is yeah. that what you're about to say? That was the one I was going to go for. Every time a player goes off for one year and then comes down to earth, I look at the shooting percentage. Granted, 
Tampa's a better team and is probably going to get Tanner Janot and better chances offensively to, you know, score. But am I going to, are we going to see him go back to shooting at a 90% rate? I doubt it. On top of that, and the other thing that he, um, somebody was uh, mentioning about Tanner Janot was this guy loves to take penalties. Yeah. Now, a friend of mine saying, well, in the playoffs, that's not going to be a problem against the Leafs because, you know, Tampa never gets called for a penalty. It's usually the other way around. Kind of kind of chuckled at that one. But, yeah, I mean, the, the only worry here is the style of play of Tanner Janot. But considering what Tampa gave up, and this is their all-in move, I'm not as concerned because this is this was Tampa's big swing ahead of the deadline. They, they really didn't do anything. They're not really going to be able to do much else. I'm going to probably regret saying that. You are, you are going to regret saying that, man, because every year, every year they do this. Like two years ago, or th- was it three years ago now, they brought in Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, who at times were like third-line players. And it's like, okay, you gave a first-round picks to do that, give a first-round pick for a third-pair defenseman in David Savard. You have two first-round picks last year for Brandon Hagel, and now this year they're giving up a first, second, third, fourth, fifth plus Cal Foot to bring in Tanner Janelle. But guess what, Dave? They have two Stanley Cups, and it's bec- like those pieces factored into those Stanley Cups. Like the thing with this team is they're built so well top-heavy that if they can bring in somebody in their bottom six who or middle six maybe even, we'll see where Janelle ends up playing, who can play that heavy style of game make it difficult on the opposition, which in round one, it's going to be Toronto. We already know it's going to be Toronto. And make them, like, fear to play you, make it hard to go into the corner, to battle, to go get pucks, going to make people make business-like decisions. We've seen players make business decisions in the playoffs on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's what people do when they go into a corner also with Tanner Janot. Um, it's That's a big move, but if you can get those guys to factor in, which we've seen last year happen with that team. Remember how impactful Nick Paul was in that playoff series. We can see him have that type of impact within this series. And, and for me, that, that is a little bit scary. Like you're looking at that team. They got better today. They got deeper today up front, right? Like they gave up draft picks and then Cal Foot. Um, again, like third pair guy, maybe now they can even go and get a Luke Shed to replace that still. And then all of a sudden you didn't really take anyone out. You added a really difficult player to play against, a pain in the ass like Tanner Janot. They got better. They did get better today. So from a least perspective, you are looking at that and you're thinking, okay, now now we've seen Boston make a move by bringing in Orlov. We've now seen Tampa make a move by bringing in Tanner Janot. Uh, we we you know believe that Patrick Kane is going to be in New York. And we saw Timo Meyer end up in New Jersey. We'll get to those deals in a moment. If you are Kyle Dubas and you're Toronto, do you look at that and say, I got to do something else this week? Ryan O'Reilly and Achari, it just simply isn't enough. We, we do need to make one more impact move and, and preferably on the blue line. Uh, I actually think maybe two potential moves here. Okay. Uh, now, priority number one will be the blue line. I think they do need to address that. Now that you're going up against teams that are going to try to forecheck the, the living the Jesus out of you in Tampa and potentially Boston, 
who also had a Garnet Hathaway, just because they weren't nasty enough. They just yeah. wanted more uh, nastiness to them. But I, I do think they need to. They still need to look at shoring up the blue line, especially you know ones that can handle the um, the forecheck a little bit better than I think some of the guys on the current roster right now. And I, I look at you know we talk about how the top six has been performing. The bottom six, specifically that third line, has not been very impressive, in my opinion. And I'm wondering if something there needs to change because if you're not going to get scoring for your bottom six in the playoffs, that's a recipe for disaster because it's happened quite often when goals dry up. You need to find them in other ways. So what do you want? What do you want? Another another goal scorer there to move like Engvall down? I want someone that's going to provide, like, that's going to go to those hard areas on the third line to score goals. Like, you know, we saw David Camp score that goal against Minnesota. But don't forget there was William Nylander passing him the puck. But, like, those are the sort of plays that that third line needs to do. They're not really doing it themselves. They need, so they need to find someone, whether well, somebody that's going to set up those guys for those plays. So maybe more of a playmaker style. Or someone that's going to go to those areas more often for those goals. Yeah, and and that's where you get into the situation where I think we'll see Ryan O'Reilly end up getting a look at three C, so they can look and see if they can make a, a you know three line top nine, um, you know effective uh, lineup. So I think we will get a chance to see that prior to Friday before the deadline. Maybe we'll see it you know, in, in one of these games uh, up against um, Calgary or, or Edmonton before the deadline. But, you know, I, I, I agree that, you know, you would like to see a little bit more. It's only been like five games, though. So we, we can give it, you know, a little bit of time. That said, I also think that line is more of a, a shutdown checking line. So they'll be spending a lot of their time in the defensive zone anyway. Um, but to your point, if they can add a goal or two here to, to help and, Angball's track record hasn't been great in the playoffs. I think it's been pointed out very well. He's got zero goals in 18 playoff games. Um, you know, perhaps you do want a little bit more of an upgrade there. Uh, you could do that. But if it comes at the expense of not getting that true upgrade on the blue line, I think I'd rather roll the dice with, with the four group that they currently have and really make sure that I go and get that impact defender and not have to worry about uh, worry about that. Yeah, that's why I said the defender has to be the top priority. Yeah, because that's yeah. more of a glaring need. the The third, the bottom, bottom uh, six four is more of like a luxury ad than anything else. Yeah. All right, we're on the same page, I believe. Um, let's talk about some of these other big trades that went uh, went down. We talked said Timo Meyer. He's now a New Jersey Devil. It seems like Patrick Kane is close to being a New York Ranger. Um, Barbashev was dealt and it wasn't to Toronto either. So he's out of the equation for the Maple Leafs uh, for this upcoming week. We'll tell you about those deals and maybe who is still out there for Toronto. We'll get to that uh, on the other side. But first, let me tell you guys about uh, one of today's show sponsors, and that's Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories that you got to try a built bar we just got uh, through the holidays and i know that my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this season and if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste the man we've got just the thing for you you've got to try uh built with built it's 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 healthy it's 
it actually tastes really good. It's they're seriously so delicious. You won't think that they're good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. Uh, what makes Built Bar so good? Uh, for starters, are covered in 100 real chocolate. That's right, it's real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors. You can get churro, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie, also a coconut almond. So many more flavors available. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars honestly taste like a candy bar while maintaining the amazing macros. What's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Uh, and now you don't need to go around. Uh, you don't need to wait to go and get your box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or even the coconut puffs. So if you're close to one of them, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors like brownie, batter, churro, and you can thank me later. So just a reminder, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You can go to Built.com, use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. All right, buddy, let's go around the trading mill because we had a whole bunch of deals that went down today. Let's start with the one uh, the, the the one that has the biggest starometer impact to it, and that's Timo Meyer going from the San Jose Sharks to the New Jersey Devils. And this trade in particular um, had a lot of people scratching their heads because you know, I don't know about you. I thought that the Devils kind of got a steal here. They didn't give up a whole lot to bring in Timo Meyer, who is an RFA and, and has they have control of this player next season. That was the part that you know the fact that they didn't give up really much. They didn't give up anything from their current roster to bring him in. Uh, the picks, the conditions on them. Uh, Zetterlin, Zetterlin's on their current roster. Yeah, like. But, like, he's not, like, a big part. I'm talking about, like, when you're looking at the impact Timo Meyer is going to have on this team. Well, yes. What he gave up, including, like, the picks and stuff. Like, I, I don't know what, like, the Sharks held out for that. And the fact that, like, they weren't really on the clock to move him at the trade deadline felt like there was just something, there was something off about this. Or they really like all the prospects that they're getting back because... I don't see the I don't see the value here for San Jose. All right, so because I'm a half decent show host, I I uh, right away texted our boy Tony Ferrari, and I said uh, wanted to get his raw thoughts immediately on the trade. So I asked him his thoughts on the prospect because I'm not you know the prospects guy. That's that's Tony. That's what he does. So I go to the go to the professionals to get their information, and this is what Tony texts me saying. Um, I asked him his thoughts on the deal. He was like, ah, I'm not a big uh, Shakir guy. He's a big toolsy D-man, um, but, you know, still has a, a long way to go. Okotoka is a guy. Decent uh, depth third pair type of player. Zetterlin, good rookie, but he's a little streaky. 23, th- 23 years old, though, so he's got to figure it out pretty soon. And then, of course, Andreas Janssen went the other way, former Maple Leaf. He was just a cap dump. Um, but he, along with myself, Shocked that Alexander Holtz did not have to be included in the deal to get it done. So the fact that they were able to make this trade without trading away their top three prospects um, was considered a win. They did give up a first round pick, and there's also a conditional second round pick that could 
turn into another first if they do make it to the Eastern Conference Final. So if that happens, okay, you've given up two first-round picks plus a couple of decent prospects. Um, but overall, now, especially when you look at the Tanner, what, what Nashville got for Tanner Janot, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that uh, Timo Meyer went for so cheap, actually, all things considered. Yeah, like we, like how many other teams are probably just like, um, oh, we could have given you way more than that. Well, like, so what what could Toronto have given, right? Like maybe yeah. they didn't have the picks, I suppose. Like that's the one thing I think the holdup. But in terms of the prospects that they gave up, Toronto easily could have given up those level of prospects. Like Zetterland, you could probably say Zetterland's close to, you know, Nick Robertson at this point. You can look at um, Makhmadulin is probably close to a Topi Nimala, uh, Akhtiov or whatever that other guy's defenseman's name is. You know, is he like, uh, you know, a, I don't know, Will Villanova or a Philip Crawl? Like they, these are the level of players we're talking about sure. that, the, that the Sharks got in return. Like they're not star A, they're not even B plus level. Uh, Makhmadulin, I'll give him a B plus level prospect. But like that's the best they got in terms of prospects. They didn't get like a Matthew Nyes like return. Oh God, no! Did not Matthew, get a Matthew. Nyes. Matthew Nyes and deals like this for the Leafs for Timo Meyer. Would I have given him up? Like, no. How many people were saying that? How many oh, people were saying lots people would need to be included in a deal? Lots, and, and you know what? I'm sure. The interesting thing is the Devils did not give teams permission to talk to Timo Meyer. I I don't know why. Because to me, if you give permission for teams to like, if you know you're trading him and you give him permission, then you can probably get a larger return if they're trading for a guy who they already have an eight-year extension in place for. Then you could probably get yourself an Alexander Holtz or you could get yourself a Matthew Nyes if he's coming, if they're to do a deal with Toronto. But if you're not allowing them to do that and you're just trading him, knowing that there's that big time, you know, $10 million qualifier, plus if, if the, maybe he only takes the qualifier, he's only there for one more year, and if that's the case and he takes off on you, you know, maybe you don't want to give up all those future pieces. Um, but if you do have that extension in place, it's a little bit more appetizing to give up a Holtz or an Eyes or, or um, who's the other Hughes brother, Luke Hughes maybe even, or Simon Nemich, the other defenseman, top defensive uh player that they have in, in that system so i don't know i thought that it was a tad underwhelming for timo meyer um but i guess no one else was willing to pay it was also retained in this deal half of his salary was retained yeah but he's i think his aav is only like five for six million six million i think right and at three million well the devils kind of needed the room well, yeah, they didn't either. Well, no, because then they gave up Andreas Janssen, who makes $3.4 million. So I think the Devils actually created more cap space by making this deal than, <laughs> than, than not. Like, they made this trade and have more cap space. That's true. Because I'm looking at their LTIR. Yeah, they're not, they're not really – because Jonathan Bernie is on there. They're barely using it, too, so – yeah, it's a great move for the Devils because you're looking at the Rangers, who are close to adding Patrick Kane. The Hurricanes are the team to beat right now in the Metro Division, and, and they're going to do something. They they got to do something, right? Yeah, I think the thing is now is like what like there isn't much left to be done. Like if you're looking at 
Tampa, Carolina, all these other teams now that you probably were waiting for some of these big shoes to see what they could get. It isn't much really out there. Like somebody was asking on the Discord, like, what can the Leafs do now? There isn't a whole heck of a lot that the Leafs can really do because some of the bigger pieces have gone and they went for prices that frankly the Leafs decided they're gonna pay for Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. So I'm just taking a look now at the updated uh, trade bait board actually by TSN. And now the number one player is Patrick Kane. But Patrick Kane, we're expecting to trade it to the New York Islanders. Just way too many uh, roster-related moves have been made by New York that literally just are connecting the dots, that they're creating the space necessary to go out and get themselves uh, Patrick Kane. And we know that he wants to go there too. So that's that's going to happen. But he's number one. But that's he's off the off the board, I think, for, for Toronto. Jacob Chikorin, I suppose he's still still out there and, and available, technically. You know, he's a guy they could go and get. And then you get to the players like Jake McCabe. Jake McCabe is a guy who was rumored to go to Toronto prior to uh, the O'Reilly deal. Maybe he can still come to Toronto, especially if the Hawks are willing to retain on that contract. All of a sudden, you're bringing in a $2 million player for someone who can play in your top four. It can play a bit of a physical style of game. Uh, Gavrikov is another guy who's available. Do they bring in a Luke Shen? Um, outside of that, you're getting into Carson Soucy territory. If we're talking about blue liners, Nick Jensen's a name that I like. And he's someone who um, was brought to my attention. Frank Corrado was a big guy. He's been a big Jensen guy. He, he said him back in like November. And then once we saw the Orlov news, he's like, hey, Nick Jensen, there's a guy. If they're available and he's a pending UFA, maybe they go after a Nick Jensen. He would be someone who you could put up in, in your top four, and he just plays you know, a sound defensive game. Um, so he would probably be a guy who, I don't know, does he go up to the top of my trade bait board? Maybe he does, or my trade target board. He might. He might. You know what was another interesting name that got brought up in the broadcast today, which I didn't think about? Uh, I think Elliot may have brought him up. Radko Gudis. Yeah, I saw his name. I don't know if it was in the Discord that somebody brought him up, or it was saw it on Twitter. I think, well, because Elliot brought it up in one of the in one of the intermissions. Yeah. So like, that, I mean, he's a pending UFA and probably doesn't want to stay in Florida apparently. So they they might try and look to move him. I think is the thought process there. Like he's a that's a the type of burly physical defenseman that the Leafs have kind of needed for a while. Yeah. Like I, I also listened to Mike Kelly on the Leafs broadcast talk about what makes Nick Jensen such a, you know, an underrated defenseman. In that, when you're when you're a team that struggles to uh, defend against a dump and chase, which is something the Leafs aren't as good about, certain defensemen aren't. Nick Jensen is like among the best at retrieving those pucks and getting them out. Like he, percentage wise, he's at the tops in the league. He's like on the level of. Drew Doughty and Alex Petrangelo, which I like, you don't need Nick Jensen to be an offensive show, like, like a big offensive guy. You don't need that. You need a guy that in his own end can get those pucks out because Tampa is going to want to keep you in your own end. Yeah. So, pretty I, I much. Jensen. I know Elliot said that they're going to try, Washington's going to try to sign a few of these guys and whoever they can't figure out in terms of contract will be probably shipped out so if nick jensen's there that would work uh gavrikov 
kind of in the similar boat, right? I think Columbus is now wondering, we've like held this guy out for so long. The, the number of teams now that, I mean, I think Edmonton could go after him. I think there's still a few teams that will potentially go after him. But the good thing about the Leafs is you're seeing some of these contenders now make it known the moves they're making. And if the Leafs still feel like they have bullets in the chamber, they can go out and get some things done right now. Uh, it looks like we've uh, there's another trade breaking. Uh, the Predators have acquired Isaac Ratcliffe from Philadelphia for future considerations. Pretty sure he's a former first round pick, actually, of Philly. Uh, and, who was pretty much in first round territory, I think, when he was picked. I think he, pretty sure in the Matthews draft, I think he was their first round pick that year. And now he was traded for future considerations. That's, uh, that's not great. Not bueno. Definitely not for 35th overall pick. So second round. Okay, second round. Yeah. Was that in the Matthews draft though? Year after. 27. Oh, okay. I have no idea what I'm talking about then, clearly. Um, I just remember being picked, yeah, at the top top of the draft pretty early on. Uh, but yeah, crazy, crazy Sunday in terms of trades around the NHL. And it's still coming through now. Uh, deals all the way late till it's eleven thirty. Sunday right now, so craziness. Uh, but still an opportunity for the Maple Leafs to get in on the trade market. There's a well, I guess there's not even a week left till the, till the trade deadline. There's five days left until the deadline. Friday, 3 p.m. We'll see if Kyle Dubas has one more trick up his sleeve, one more deal to make to try and make sure that he doubles down and gives the Maple Leafs the biggest and best chance to not only make it out of the first round for the first time, in 18 years, but also go on a Stanley Cup run because that's what this year is all about. It's not just winning around. It's about trying to win a Stanley Cup, and I think they're, uh, with what we've seen happen over the course of the last week in the Eastern Conference, boy, you might need to make one more sizable move to make that happen. What do you think? It might, uh, with the way that things are going and the way that, you know, the, the race in the East is going, May have to consider loading up just a little bit more to give yourself that last bit, you know, the better, the best chance possible. Empty the cupboard, Kyle. Empty the cupboard. Tampa's doing it. Match them. Get her done. All right. That'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead and leave a like, a thumbs up, uh, and comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll see if we get any more trades on Monday to break down. Maybe we'll do a little cosign, no sign uh, tomorrow as well. That could be fun. And we got uh, Battle of Alberta coming up next on the Maple Leaf skit as well. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.